The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is going to be a dynasty-specific show a really good show. It is first year player draft season. I uh, got Alex Jensen of Prospect Live with me here. Uh, booked Alex for this pod about two months ago just because it was very important to me to get Alex's take on this J15 class. Um, he was great on the pod back in August and uh, just kind of want to get a, a, an update on how that J15 class is looking before those guys sign in uh, less than a week here. Uh, but first, Alex, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Definitely excited to be back and uh, definitely excited to talk some J15. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking taking the time out of your day. Um, now, before we get to the J15 guys, and we will get to them uh, very shortly, I thought it would just be kind of, um, you know, useful to the listeners if we if you and I just kind of broke down sort of how we view the the first year player draft tiers ahead of those guys at this stage um you know I I know a lot of people are you know eyeing up what they're going to do with their first round pick should they trade up into the first round when do they have to start looking at this J15 class so you know for me it's Wyatt Langford and Yoshinobu Yamamoto as the top two guys if I have a top two pick I'm taking one of them um, kind of regardless of my timeline because I kind of assume I can flip Yamamoto. Even if I'm like in a deep rebuild, I can flip him for more than what I would be getting um, with the third overall pick. Uh, and I think Langford's a slam dunk, whether you're rebuilding or contending with the number one overall pick. Um, how do you view the very top for first year player? Jeff? Yeah, at the very top, I'm with you uh, of people that were drafted. I've been Langford number one from day one. I think we talked about that in August. Uh, So for me, it kind of just comes down to, is it a points league or is it not a points league? Not a points league. I'm taking Langford. I'd probably take, uh, yeah, um, Yamamoto in a points league just because like the precedence there, like he, if things go as expected, he's going to be at least a two, I think. He's definitely got ceiling to get you a lot of points. And also he's super young. So there's what, like he's two and a half years older or something like that. Than Langford, so I don't think that there's a huge age advantage in going uh, with Langford either. So that's kind of how I view the very top. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you and I were both Langford uh, number one from the jump, um, and yeah, I think he's he's just awesome. Uh, now, for me, there's another small tier of 
like four guys. I have Walker Jenkins, Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, Matt Shaw from three to six. Uh, and I've got those guys all as top 20 uh, prospects. Um, how do you view the the jump down after Yamamoto? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Skeens, Cruz, Clark Jenkins is the order that I have it, but I also do have it in a tier like that. Um, I, I think I'm staying a little bit stronger on Mac Clark than a lot of people right now. Right. And uh, part of that's, I'm for the first time that I can really remember, I'm bullish on the hitting dev in Detroit. Okay. Which is kind of a fun feeling, but yeah, you can really argue any one of those guys in the order. I won't be offended. So you have, you have Clark over Shaw then though. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have Shaw just in the next tier down. He's the top of the next tier for me. Okay. Uh, what does your next tier look like then? My next tier is Sansetti with Shaw Emerson. And then, uh, I've talked to myself. I think that's just really the tier right there. I had George Lombard in there and I'm still tempted to put him there, but I think the other two have kind of proved enough in their debuts that Lombard didn't really get a chance to do that. I can't quite justify that right now. Yeah. And you were uh, way ahead of the pack on Emerson um, back in August. I know you had him as like a top 10 guy. Uh, I think the consensus has caught up to you kind of exactly. Uh, I think he is a consensus top 10 guy now. I don't think he was (laughs) even close to a consensus top 10 guy back when you had him there. So Props to you, and you got eyes on Emerson. Um, do you want to give people just a your quick like twenty second, thirty second report on Emerson, just since you've been kind of driving that train? Yeah, I think so. For me, I, a lot of the reports that people were getting, which is why I think people had him lower, were a little bit older, where he's a younger guy, uh, and they kind of had him as a smaller sort of frame, where it's going to be okay. He makes really good swing decisions, makes a lot of contact, but probably not going to be a lot of power. Probably not going to stick at shortstop. And then I kind of got eyes on him and I was like, this dude has first off super broad shoulders, like very broad shoulders. Like you could fit a, like Hulu has live sports on the back of his Jersey or something like that. Uh, definitely got a broad frame, probably about six two, and he has tree trunk legs. Like there's going to be a ton of power in that frame. So I was kind of looking at that and I was like, all right, he's running better than you'd expect. I mean, he was a stud wide receiver getting some like legitimate, like power five offers at wide receiver. And then he's got the huge like physical frame that he's grown into. He was younger, so it makes sense that he was less physical early on. As like, and the swing decisions are so great. And like maybe he plays third base, maybe he plays shortstop, maybe he plays second base, but either way, I'm pretty excited. I so to me, I was like, all right, if power is coming, like this is going to be one of the dudes, and I think there's no reason to not think that. And uh once we yeah, kind of got some actual sample size on him with a, was a little bit more recent, you could see, okay, like this is a dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's interesting that you, you still, you have, um, you have Clark in a tier ahead of Emerson. Um, I've been going back and forth on like Emerson versus Clark. Um, but it just kind of, kind of comes down to the speed. I mean, obviously the speed's a big separator. Um, how closely do you view Emerson and Clark just from like a hit and power standpoint? Hmm. I, I think from, a hit and power standpoint, I think that honestly, there's a case that Emerson probably has more raw power. Um, I think for me, there's just such a long track record mm-hmm. with Max Clark of just making really good, really strong contact. And I like he's not a small guy either. Like when you compare him to Walker Jenkins, he looks a little bit smaller, but he's he's not small. He's got a thick lower half, and 
I just I keep coming back to how much he reminded me of when I used to watch Corbin Carroll, which I watched a lot of with him 10 minutes away from me in high school. Uh, and I think that's really helping me come along where, okay, like I'm not going to worry about any early performances right now. I think the Detroit system, I think they're going to have a really good lineup in a few years. And I keep coming back to the speed plus contact plus there's going to be more power than you might think. Mm-hmm. And he's going to play elite center field defense. So, you know, he's going to get in the lineup one way or the other. Yeah, that's compelling. Um, yeah, I think it could definitely be argued that everyone's just kind of swung too far away from Clark just because these other guys had kind of louder debuts. Um, my tier, I've got a tier of six guys after Shaw. Um, so I've got Hurston Waldrop, Colt Emerson, Tommy Troy, Max Clark, Brock Wilkin, and then I snuck uh, Leo DeVries in there, uh, who we'll be talking about in a second. Um and then to me, there's a bit of a drop off. Uh, how about how about you? Where how far do we have to keep going in your tiers till we get to DeVries? So I think I have uh, so Lombard's definitely the top of the next tier for me. Maybe even kind of a tier of his own. I'm I, Lombard for me is just one of those guys where like if it works out, like he's gonna be a star. He might be the best player in the class for me. Uh, so there's more risk, but yeah, I, I think that that's kind of just like the, what they look like sort of a tier. Um, and then I like Tommy Troy a lot. Uh, I like Aiden Miller still quite a bit. Uh, Kyle Teal's up there for me. Uh, and then uh, DeVries would be kind of right at the start of the next tier for me. Uh, if you're in a points league, you could definitely move up Waldrop. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So yeah, the, it does see, you know, we've got like a few different guys mixed in here and there in our tiers, but it does seem like we've kind of got DeVries in about the same spot. Um, now, I, you know, I think a lot of people, if you're listening to a J15 um, preview pod, I'm sure you're at least open to the idea of maybe taking a, one of these guys in your first year player draft, but uh, it's, it's definitely not for everyone. And it's, and there has to be kind of a level of, of comfort there. Um, you don't, you don't have to play the J15 uh, market in your first year player drafts to be a very successful dynasty player. Um, and there's always opportunities to add guys from this class in the summer when they, when they start playing. Um, but just, you know, DeVries, he's the top guy in this class. You were kind of saying he was just sort of a, a special guy from this class back in, in August. Uh, has, has anything changed with him? And then can you give people sort of a, a breakdown of, of the type of player they're they're hopefully getting if they do choose to invest in him early in a first year player draft. I don't know if I'd say anything has changed for him so much as like the more you've gotten looks in like cross checkers, like the more you're like, oh yeah, like what people were saying is legit. And to put like frame of reference, like I think that right now, right? Like if you're judging them as to where they are right now, not not who he is now, but comparing to Ethan Salas at the same age, like I think DeVries is a better player than Salas was coming out. Now I'm not saying that he's going to end the year like a potential top 10 prospect or anything like that, but I think he's probably the best international prospect since Juan de Franco, which I know is a touchy thing right now, but uh, I think he's a pretty special player. And I mean, when Salas was going off last year, like I was getting feedback, like wait till you see the guy they got next year, like which – is, is pretty crazy. I, I think, uh, I honestly, like Wanda Franco is probably the comp for me. Uh, so what he looks like coming out. I mean, I, I think that you can conservatively say that if it all comes together, he's going to have a 60 hit tool and potentially mm-hmm. a 70 hit tool. 
Uh, there's real pop there. I think there's a chance that he hits for above average to 60 grade power. I think that he's probably an above average runner more so than like a legit plus. He's popping like six, seven, 60 times, but he's got a bit of a bigger frame. I think that he's a legit shortstop. I think he's going to be sticking at the position and excelling at it. He's got a really strong arm that like if his physical development goes the right way, it could be a 70 grade arm. He has a really long track record of hitting in games. He hits for power in games. He'll put it out opposite field in games. Uh, I think he, you know, he plays basketball. He's point guard as well. You kind of see that in his footwork. I think his dad was actually on the uh, Dominican Republic national team as a basketball player. So got athletic bloodlines. I think he's still trending up, which is pretty rare for guys that have been at the top for as long as he has. So I think for maybe a year or two ago, it was kind of like a top tier of guys. And now I think it's Leodalus DeVries and and then everybody else. And uh, yeah, they, you get comps like Joe Ram, stuff like that. Like that's the stuff you're talking about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I will, for, for listeners, I'm going to have all these players' names in the, the show notes um, with the spellings and everything uh, and the, the teams they're expected to sign with roughly in the order we talk about them. So you can reference that um, if, you know, we're talking about a guy and you're just like, how do you spell that or, or whatever? Uh, those will be in the show notes. And DeVries is expected to sign with the Padres. Um, so that, yeah, that's a glowing scouting report on him. Um, I do feel pretty good as him at like kind of a, a late first round, early second round, first year player draft pick. Um, and for people that are very comfortable investing in this market and very 
uh, kind of confident in the existence of their dynasty league, you know, lasting another five, 10 years. Um, yeah, I think he's a pretty appealing guy to go after here. Um, now, the guy that stood out the most to me, like I basically hadn't done any work on this class. Like I, we talked, we talked about DeVries back in August, but I don't follow this stuff year round um, or as often as you do at least. Uh, and when I started getting into the guys after DeVries, uh, I thought Paulino Santana uh, outfielder with the Rangers uh, looked like the next best guy to me, but um, you know, I know he's been a, a riser sort of late in the process. Um, where do you sort of stand on Santana who's expected to sign with the Rangers? Yeah. So he was someone that I hadn't known about, I think really too much last time we talked outside of that. He was signing with the Rangers. Um, which is kind of funny because he's from Charlie Nova's Academy, which is a pretty big Academy. It's actually got like multiple players in the top 30 signing bonuses. So it's not like he was some hidden gem, uh, but just kind of a late riser. Something that's kind of funny is I've noticed like uh, you start to get like, a lot of players, especially in like J15 classes that are all comp to the same player. And this year that's Julio Rodriguez, <laughs> which uh, I've seen, you know, it just usually means like, okay, they're a bigger frame. Like maybe they can stick in center field. Maybe they can't. And they've, they've got, you know, really good makeup, baseball IQ, stuff like that. Uh, so I think that's kind of funny. He's, he's one of those guys, but I think there's probably like 10 or 12 where you just start to hear those comps quite a bit, which cracks me up for a long time. It used to be Juan Soto or whoever. I, I knew um, when, when you were talking about that, like I knew exactly I knew you were going to say Julio Rodriguez. Like, yeah, I've noticed that too. And I think part of it is uh, people like no one's willing to comp anyone to Acuna anymore. So everyone's just trying to think of like, well, who's like an outfielder that could be like power speed. And so they, they say Rodriguez, but you know, obviously. And I think it's the off field too, because Julio, you know, you know, bilingual from day sure. one, like really good scholastically, you know, funny guy, stuff like that. So I think like, that's just a general idea. Uh, I, who he kind of reminded me of was uh, George Springer. If kind of if it comes together, that's the type of player he can be. Uh, definitely got a good frame. Not a Julio Rodriguez frame, but he's about 6'2 and 80. Uh, just turned 17, so he's not super old for the class. Um, maybe potentially like a five-tool profile if it all comes together. I wouldn't quite go there, uh, but he's definitely like a high IQ. Uh, he's fully bilingual already, which is you know a big deal when it comes to kind of adjusting culturally when you get shifted over to the U.S., which is a thing that can stall a lot of J15 players uh, just because the culture shock. Um, he's probably an above-average runner. I don't know if I'd fit him to stick there. I think he's gotten some plus times. I'd probably expect him to settle in about a 50 runner. Really strong arm, and then the power is the big thing, and he hits well in games. Um, I think uh, he adjusts really well in games is a lot of the feedback that you'll get on him too, where it's this, you know he's better the second time he's facing a pitcher than the first time, which is a really good sign to see. Uh, so he's the type of guy that could move pretty quickly through a system. And then you have to be pretty bullish on the Rangers scouting and development right now with hitters. So I think that helps quite a bit too. I, I'd have him right in that second tier of players behind Debris. I, I don't know exactly how far I'm willing to put him up yet just because I am i haven't got as many like visual reps with him where I don't, yeah, I kind of relying more on what I've heard than what I've seen. Yeah. But what I've seen has been good and what I've heard has been really good. Now, the guy who's going to get the biggest bonus in the class and the guy who was um, kind of the top guy in the class before DeVries separated himself is Jose Perdomo, uh, shortstop who's expected to sign with Atlanta. Um, Is that – did I say anything incorrect there? Like it seems like he was maybe 
his stock maybe peaked, you know, maybe a year ago, or do you think he's still trending upward? I think he's kind of just maintaining, which is uh, with someone that's signing for a hundred percent of the signing bonus pool, uh, you know, can be seen as a negative thing, but I wouldn't say that at all. I think it's a little bit prospect fatigue and then DeVries just kind of rocketing into like, Oh, like okay. this is the most special player. Like for point of reference too, I think there's a bit of prospect fatigue on JFT in general, just because we got like three bad classes in a row up until last year. And I think last year and this year are really strong classes. Uh, I think there's a lot of like real potential studs that can move quickly and are not just like, well, we'll roll the dice and we'll see like, no, you should expect these guys to be good players. Uh, Perdome was one of them. I think that you can make case he's the best pure hitter in the class. Uh, there's a lot of really good hitters in this class that actually really stands out, like the amount of like, oh, like I feel really strongly about this kid's hit tool in this class compared to most years. I, I think that he's getting past because he's a little bit smaller frame. He's listed 5'11", 170. You never know exactly what that means. Maybe he's a bit bigger, maybe he's a bit smaller. But he has a real chance to stick at shortstop. His uh, glove is actually ticked way up. He's from Venezuela, so it's a little bit harder to get looks at him it's just there's just less tape out there a lot of time unless you know people working who can get it to you uh he's so spit small ever frame still very physical player like a very physical player it's he's not going to be weak for sure uh reminded me a bit of ricardo cabrera when he signed um who started off a little slowly but kind of turned things around for the reds uh, where he just very aggressive hitter fits into that kind of braves mindset where he's going up there looking to swing not to take pitches but does not swing and miss much as a, even with that he hits you know, velocity, he hits spin, real chance stick at shortstop, and uh, kind of just an aggressive player who I think could potentially be like a Kettle Marte type player if it all comes together. Do you see him being a double-digit stolen base guy? Yeah, he's so he's ticked way up in terms of his, like, athleticism, I would say. I, I think he's probably a plus runner, uh, and I think that he's, like – if it all comes together, like I think he could have like a 60 to maybe even a 70 grade hit tool. It just kind of depends how the approach is going to go because he is super aggressive. I think that he could have, you know, if he's free swinging a bit too much, probably can be average power. But if he's, you know, waiting on his pitch, it could functionally be 55. It's going to be 55 raw, probably potentially sticking as a plus runner who can stick at shortstop. Like he's, he has potential to be a very good player very quickly. Okay, so we've covered DeVries, Santana, and Perdomo. Um, there's another group of, of five uh, hitting prospects that all made your initial top 100 uh, first-year player draft rankings when you released those um, back in, in late summer. Um, Fernando Cruz, shortstop with the Cubs, was the highest uh, among those guys, I believe. Um, he just seems really slick, uh, smooth shortstop um and I, I liked what i saw on video what what do you uh, think about cruz i'm definitely lower on him than the other people he's the sh he's the showcase guy right like if you go there and you watch drills you're gonna be like that's the best player in the class for sure like uh he's got crazy bat speed swings a little bit inconsistent especially in games uh and you know defensively like he'll make a lot of really like highlight real type plays but he'll miss some easy ones sometimes uh, he's got bloodlines too. He's Starling Castro's cousin. So that's a big thing. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a Javier Baez type profile where like when everything's working, like it just looks pretty. It's really exciting to watch, but he's, he's pretty raw for a guy that's going to be getting, you know, a $4 million plus bonus. Uh, to me, I think that there's like pretty clear potential plus power plus speed combo there. 
He's got a really strong arm. He's got the range to excel at shortstop. We'll kind of see if he can be consistent enough. But the hit tool kind of scares me. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he, he needs to work on his mechanics. He needs to work on his approach. So for me, that's not a player that I like to invest on in a first-year player draft just because there's so much potential for you to drop him in a couple weeks after, you know, the J15 season or the uh, summer league starts. So I, I'd rather have someone else take that risk. And then, you know, you can look about, you know, if he pans out, trade for him when he's, you know, 1920. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, great to know because it, that is a thing you definitely got to, like a guy can look great on video. I mean, that's, that's the dangerous thing. Of, and, uh, you know, it's the nature of the market. They're trying to stand out. They're trying to impress people, but um, yeah, very good context there on Cruz. Uh, now, Joshua Lugo, uh, third baseman with the Angels was a guy that uh, I know you were sort of higher on than than most um a few months ago and the main thing that was holding you back was just the the team he's signing with the angels uh and that's that's definitely something i factor in there's just there's certain orgs where it's like when was the last time you developed one of these guys and there's certain orgs where they're just constantly churning them out so i definitely get that um what do you what do you think about lugo at this stage of of the process I really want to like him. I think as I've gotten more reports um, and, you know, you start to see the stuff from Ben Badler, Jess Sanchez, the people like that within the context of knowing that he's an angels product, you got to get a little bit more worried for me. He was one of those guys where I did get tape on him. I really like the swing when I'm watching drills. I really like what I see, but I hadn't really gotten a chance to see him face a lot of spin. And what you hear from people that have is that he struggles with that a bit, which scares me a lot with the angels because they kind of need people that are ready to go from day one. Uh, he's really young for the class. He's a big kid. He's like six to and legitimate. And that's with being a young kid from the class uh, from uh, Jamie Ramos Academy, which is a great Academy. Ball comes off the bat different with him. He, he's one of those guys where like, I, I think that it's going to be pretty easy 60 juice and, maybe more. I doubt he sticks at shortstop. He's probably too big for that. Uh, more of a third base right field type profile. He's got a huge arm. If you give him fastballs, he is going to crush it. So I think that he could put up big stats early on until he's facing more advanced pitching. Uh, but yeah, what you hear is a lot of the time he struggles with spin. So that's, that's scary on the angels. Uh, he has hit in games. So you got to kind of note that. Um, and he's got bloodlines too. Uh, Dewell Lugo, who is, I believe with the blue Jays for a while is uh, his brother. But, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of upside there. I think the swing's really nice. I think it works. There's huge juice, uh, but definitely a, a lot more risk than I'd like to invest in early. So maybe just a late flyer, but, yeah, kind of – I he's one someone I would drop even if I still really like him. And uh, you mentioned Ben Badler, Jesse Sanchez. They they do great work uh, on yes. this market. Um, definitely – I mean, you – You'd be crazy to be listening to this pod and not be subscribing to Baseball America, but definitely subscribe if you're not already. Um, and one guy that had a, an up arrow or trending up arrow in Ben Badler's uh, excellent um, big board article, uh, Adolfo Sanchez, outfielder with the Reds, a lefty hitter. Um, the Reds are, are one of the teams that's that's done pretty well, at least in terms of you know turning these guys into legitimate prospects at full season level um what what's your take on sanchez yeah i love him i liked him a lot before too he's a little bit older than some of the other guys in the class he's not super old he's you know i think it's a something like a september birthday or something like that 
But a uh, good frame. He's about 6'2", 170. Pretty lean frame. He definitely has some room to add some good weight, but uh, I don't think he's ever going to be like a 220-pounder or anything like that. I think he'll probably be about 6'2", 195-ish. Um, hits left, swings left uh, from Pimentel Academy. He's going to be one of the better hitters. He's definitely one of the more advanced hitters in the class, which you love to see going into the Reds because they kind of teach you how to do most of the rest. Um, I don't know if he's going to stick in center field. I don't know if he's quite fast enough. I think that you're kind of hoping that he can stick as an average winner. So probably shifting over to right field, but really good instincts and a really strong arm. I, I think that he's probably going to be probably close to a 60 grade arm and maybe even above average fielder in right field. Uh, so definitely like it's not the type of thing where offense is the whole profile with him. Uh, really high IQ. People say he's a great kid. Um, and uh, I think he's going to hit for at least decent power, but he's more of a guy who's going to potentially hit like 40 doubles a year, something like that. Uh, this is a comp that, I think I probably make a bit too often, but he reminded me a lot of Nick Markakis, where like that side player he could be, where it's like 15 to 20 home runs, tremendous amount of doubles, win a couple gold gloves if it all comes together, and just be one of those players who you don't build your team around, but having him on your team really helps you supplement wins. So how does how does Sanchez um, how does he stack up to you with like? Paulino Santana and Jose Perdomo, who we already touched on. I think that he is maybe right in the tier below that because I think those are guys that are potential, like, you know, if they do what they're supposed to do, they could be top 25 prospects in a couple, in a year or two. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think that he's more like, if he does what he's supposed to, by the time he's in like a ball to high a ball, like he can be a top 100 prospect. Sure. So that's kind of how I differentiate those two. But I think that he's one of those guys who like, you can pick him up and feel very good about the fact that from day one, he's going to be in the top thirties and he's going to, you know, you're not going to drop him because it's a statistical performance. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, and that's a big part. Like, uh, you know, I always mention this when we're talking J 15, like if you're drafting one of these guys in your first year player draft, you have to be kind of willing to, roster them for a few months before they start playing in games. Uh, you're not going to get any sort of instant gratification in terms of their statistical output. So uh, you don't want to be stashing one of these guys until Memorial Day and then you drop them for a pop-up guy because then it's like, what was the point? You should have drafted a guy that was going to be playing um, in April. Uh, so the the next guy that was in your initial top 100, Dewell Joseph, uh, shortstop with the Mariners. Obviously, they've had a lot of success in this market. Uh, where do you stand on Joseph? So I was pretty impressed. Uh, he's someone that I liked before. And, you know, full disclosure, I am a Mariners fan, so I don't know if that affects this or not. But uh, he was someone where I got more recent looks and I got more feedback from other people. And I, I think I'm bumping him up. I think I'd actually put him right in with that Perdomo and uh, Polino Santana. And I think, I, I think his ceiling might be higher than either of those guys, honestly. I think he's kind of a better version of Fernando Cruz. Um, he's a guy who, uh, when he first kind of agreed on his bonus, which is going to be probably, you know, a top five to eight bonus in the class already, he was a small guy. Like, he was about 5'10", 150, and he was getting, like, Byron Buxton comps where they're like, yeah, he's probably going to move the field. He's going to be an 80-grade runner, and, you know, he'll he'll hit, you know, a lot of double stuff like that. He's probably got really good bat speed, but... We'll kind of see how the offensive thing goes with his approach and everything like that, but going to be really fast, play really good center field. And uh, 
then in full disclosure, he's one of the youngest guys in the class. He's about 16 and a half right now. He just started growing, which is the same thing that happened with Felton Celestin uh, last year, who sadly was injured. But now he's 6'2", 175, and not quite a Fernando Tatis frame, but definitely a broad-shouldered, like, this is going to be a big dude. While that happened, somehow, also his defense improved and his approach improved, which is really interesting because all of a sudden he's crushing baseballs and also projecting to stick at shortstop instead of going to center field. Uh, which center field still a backup plan, but he's still a plus runner. I think that his his hit tool, just because of track record, I'd say maybe average is the projection, but he's hitting like he's an above average hitter right now. Uh, I think that there's he's probably going to grow into plus power, legitimate plus power, and he's got a cannon for an arm with a chance to get shorts off or play center field. He's going to play somewhere up the middle. Uh, really thick lower half. Another guy kind of like, you can make some comparisons to a Colt Emerson type, not the same hit tool, but... Similar lower half, similar. He was really young for the class, and then he ended up way bigger than people expected. I think if you're like really kind of squinting, you can see kind of like a Manny Machado type profile if it all comes together. Now, there's a lot of there's more risk there than with a guy like Perdomo. Uh, but I think that if you're like, who's going to be this year's Sebastian Walcott? I think that I would probably put my money on Dewell Joseph. And I think the Mariners have also done a very good job developing J15 hitters recently. So he's a guy where if he's still around, and where you have a flyer pick that you want to take, I think that Joseph would be a guy that I would target personally. Yeah, that's a that's very valuable uh, to the listeners. Um, now we've talked about seven guys so far. Uh, just quickly, do you have any kind of predictions about whether any of these guys skip the Dominican Summer League at all? Hmm. I think that if there was someone that was, I, I would say I would expect DeVries to do that. I think that would be an expectation. I don't know. Unless there's some culture shock thing, I don't know what what else. Uh, I think that DeWell Joseph has a chance to do it. That's not usually the Mariners thing. Uh, Adolfo Sanchez is probably like ready from a like baseball IQ standpoint. And again, I wouldn't quite expect it. Uh, Puno Santana, I think, would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of precedent with the Rangers doing stuff like that. And also... He's just very culturally ready for living in the U.S., which is a huge piece of the puzzle that tends to get overlooked. So yeah. I would say that those are the two that I would expect to do it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, now, the last guy uh, that was in your initial top 100, Emil Morales, um, probably going to end up at third base with the Dodgers. Obviously, uh, the Dodgers-Dominican Summer League team last year was just uh, – a riot um Nuts. and they, yeah. they obviously know what they're doing uh what, what do you think about morales yeah i like him i i don't know if i get as excited about a guy like you know i, I think i prefer adolfo sanchez and dewell joseph to him uh he's a big body kid he's like a legit 6'3 185 um i don't think there's any chance he sticks a shortstop if i'm being totally honest with you i, I think that he's probably like a 40 grade runner uh, so probably third base uh, he's got a decent arm, but I think he can work third base. He has decent instincts as a fielder. I think he can stick, stick there. Uh, he's, you know, he's got long frame, which I think is going to put a bit of a ceiling on his hit tool. I think he can be an average hitter, above average power. Uh, you know, gets really good grades for his IQ and makeup, which is very common with Dodger signings. Um, he definitely needs to add some muscle. He's for 6185. He's not very physical yet. He's kind of a young body sort of a guy. Um, 
So I think that he's a solid player, you know, and I think that being on the Dodgers, you give players a little bit of a boost because they tend to develop, although not always been the case with their top signing bonus guys. But if it all came together, maybe kind of like a taller Josh Young sort of a guy. But uh, he's not someone that I would rush to go get um, compared to all the other people we've talked about. More of a high floor sort of a guy. And it's really important, like the stuff you were mentioning about, you know, 40 grade runner, um, how, you know, he's going to outgrow shortstop. Like all that stuff's important for when you're looking at the initial Dominican Summer League numbers, you know, like you want to see a guy like that really impacting the game with his bat because you know that he's going to slide down the defensive spectrum. And then, you know, you, you might have a guy on the flip side where it's like this guy's just a 70 grade shortstop and he's a plus runner and the body's going to keep getting better. Like then there's less pressure on, on them to really show out in the DSL. Um, so all, all very good stuff to, to note and stuff that's worth even kind of revisiting when we get to late June, early July, and these guys start playing. Um, so we've covered the guys that were in your initial top 100. And then we got a bunch of uh, other guys to, to discuss. Uh, the guy that I just, from what I was reading, the guy that seemed like he had the loudest tools of these guys uh, was Daber De Los Santos, uh, shortstop. Uh, that the twins are expected to sign. Um, it just seemed like, you know, really loud tools, questionable hit tool, maybe. Um, where are you at on De Los Santos? I think that he's the type of guy that I tend to be lower on. I, I tend to really value hit tool and approach and like baseball IQ above most everything, with especially with J15 players. Um, just because like, I know like if someone comes up and they're striking out 35, 40% in the DSL, like I'm not going to keep rostering them for, no. for a while. And uh, no matter how crazy their tools are. Uh, and for me, like he's an elite athlete, no doubt about it. He might be the most twitched up guy. Got a good frame. He's 6'1", 165. He'll definitely add some physicality. You can see like a little bit of jazz chisel type profile in him. Uh, he's got like a cannon for an arm. That's probably his best tool. It might be like a 70 grade arm right now. Uh, probably gonna have above average power. He's, not like a 70 grade runner, I wouldn't say, but he's, you know, a safe to say plus runner. Uh, he has a really high ceiling as a defender at shortstop, you know, still a bit raw there. I don't think the hits of the approach are good. I, I would put it right now. I'd say it projects to like somewhere between a 30 to a 40 hit tool, depending on how he develops. Uh, so I think that there's going to be some growing pains there and maybe that doesn't happen in the DSL. Maybe, you know, he's just advanced enough physically that, that doesn't matter. Crazy bat speed. Um, he's got some natural loft to his swing, so he'll probably get some balls out. But once he starts facing more advanced pitching, like without a huge jump, he's just not ready for it right now. And with the twins who have done some nice things mentally, like in terms of developing hit tool with people that struggle with swing and miss, I haven't really seen them crush it with that. So mm-hmm. for me, he's probably someone that I'm going to let someone else take that risk. But there's definitely very high upside there if he does pan out. Yeah, and really with with any of these J fifteen guys, if they're if they're not projected to have at least kind of like an average hit tool, um, I'd much rather just take a wait and see approach and see how they do in the DSL before even rostering them before that season opens. Because um, as you said, like you know, the, there's going to be challenges when you get to single A, high A, double A. If you're already struggling in the DSL, that's that's going to be a problem. Um, what about uh, Jorge Quintana, a shortstop that the Brewers are expected to sign? Uh, obviously, 
Milwaukee's uh, done a really nice job in Venezuela and on the position player side in general. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot, actually. Uh, I don't think he's a shortstop. I'll kind of get that out of the way. Uh, big frame, 6'2", 170. He's going to have good room to add. Another guy who's really young for the class. He's a little bit older than DeWall Joseph, but not much. He's you know still got a while until he turns 17. Uh Again, like maybe the bet one of the guys you could make case this is like the most advanced hitter in the class. I think that you're going to feel really good about him hitting, and also with how the Brewers have scouted uh, in Venezuela for specifically advanced hit tools, like that makes you feel great about it. He's from uh, Andres Mujica's academy. Uh, really advanced player, uh, really good frame projection. Uh, probably going to go to second base. I don't think he quite has the arm for third base. I don't expect him to have the movement skills to stick at shortstop. I think he's probably a tick below average as a runner. Um, but I think he's one of those guys who can impress really early. And then, you know, if his physicality ticks up, then maybe he is an average runner and maybe he can get to, you know, average or better power. Um, I, I, if you want to make comparisons, like what he could be down the line, I think Jackson Merrill is a type of like trajectory he could have in kind of a similar frame. I think uh, Merrill's got a better shot to stick a shortstop than he does, but uh, like if it, if he pans out, that's the type of prospect he could be. Nice, very nice. Um, another guy that had an up barrel uh, per battler, um, Luis Cova, who's a six-two outfielder expected to sign with the Marlins. Um, doesn't seem like the Marlins have done done a great job really developing any type of hitter, J fifteen or draft or. Uh, wherever they're acquiring them. But uh, what, what do you think about Kova? Uh, probably not my cup of tea, but I get it. Um, good frame, 6'1", 170. He's pretty young too. He's a little bit older than uh, Quintana, but you know he'll turn 17 in a month or so. Um, I can see why you'd like him. He's hit really well in games. I think that he could have like the average hit tool, average power. Uh, he's probably a plus runner. He's probably going to be a good fielder in center field. He's a converted shortstop uh I think you'd expect him to stick in center field arms not crazy but uh he's got his mechanics i don't love um and i think that they will need some adjusting uh which scares me uh when you're being developed by the marlins uh, just with their recent track record um so yeah i don't know about that there's some physical upside really good athlete if you're you know always been on the athlete maybe you could see it but uh just without having crazy like offensive tools it scares me a little bit thinking he's going to need a swing change and being developed by the Marlins. So I'm probably a little bit lower than uh, some people on him. So I'm just noticing uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about, Yandel Ricardo, um, who's expected to sign with the Royals. I'm noticing that uh, BA has him listed as he's from Cuba and pipeline says from the Dominican. So he's from Cuba, trains in the Dominican, which is how okay. he's able. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's at uh, Isbo Medina's Academy, but he's from okay. Cuba. So uh, what do you think about Ricardo, uh, switch hitter expected to sign with the Royals? And I think he's the top, is he the top guy from Cuba in this class? Yes. Yes, yeah. he is. There's two guys, um, I'm blinking on his name right now, but uh, Houston also signed a bit of an older prospect that's legitimately from Cuba. Um, so... I will say Yandel Ricardo has two things that I tend to avoid, which is really young prospects from Cuba, uh, just because the game there is just a bit different than the U.S. game, um, where it's definitely a lot of pitchers are, okay, here's the best I've got, and I'm going to throw it for a strike, and hitters are, I'm going to swing at it and do what you can do. And so plate discipline 
uh, tends to be a little bit different um, here from over there, and that can cause some issues. Uh, that being said, he moved over. He trained in the Dominican. Not too worried about that. I also have kind of a rule to avoid Royals prospects, um, but <laughs> there is new management over there, so we'll see. Uh, that's going to make me, you know, like have a bit of a bias against him. I get why you would like him for sure. He's got a big physical frame. He's like legit 6'2", 180, and it's, you know, he looks like I, Cuba and uh, the, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on uh, uh, Curacao and the Bahamas just have these athletes that come out of them where it's just like, I don't know what's in the water there, but they, they're just built different. Uh, Ricardo definitely fits that profile. He's not like a crazy plus runner or anything like that, but he's an above average runner with a frame of someone that should not be an above average runner and has a bit of a shot to stick a short stop. He's actually a pretty good defender. Again, not a crazy defender, but like if you wanted to force the issue, you could. Um, so there's some kind of like five above average to average tool upside here. Um, I think that uh, he hits for a lot of contact in games. He's hit from both sides of the plate. He's a bit better from the right side. Uh, he's really athletic for his size. Uh, he is a bit of a free swinger, but again, makes good hard contact, line drive, hitter sort of deal, kind of punch the gaps. Uh, I, I think that if you're looking at like what he could be, maybe Vaughn Grissom sort of a deal, I think kind of a similar defensive profile and uh, kind of similar offensive profile, but definitely be a bit more aggressive. So uh, that's probably who I'd comp him to. He's not someone that I'm going to probably own a lot of, but he's not someone that I'm going to urge people to not buy shares of either. I think it's just kind of, you know, what flavor. How about uh, Francisco Villorio, a big outfielder from the Dominican who's expected to sign with the Yankees? Yeah, he's uh, so he was one of the easiest people to comp for me. For uh, for me, I like to do that with JP team players just to kind of get a frame for like, okay, like what could they look like? Not that he's for sure going to be this player. Uh, he reminded me a lot of uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who I saw a lot of over the last year, uh, both the good and bad parts. Uh, he's got a big frame, like 6'2", 170, but it's a big frame and he's got a thick lower half. Um, he's got some link to a swing, uh, and he tries to make up for that with bat speed. So he's, he's a daddy hacker for sure. He's not swinging out of his shoes by any means, but, uh, he's definitely, uh, not swinging for contact either. Um, I think that he's been trending up. He's been hitting better, uh, in games recently, which is interesting for someone who swings as hard as he does. Uh, I think that. He's very physical. I think he's going to be a lot more physically advanced than a lot of players he's playing with, uh, which could lead to some really impressive DSL stats. Uh, so he's a guy that I think could have put up huge numbers there. He is a bit more of a fastball hitter. I think that he's probably going to be a below average hit tool, maybe a four to grade is what I put on right now. I think that it's going to be 60 plus power. I think that of people that I'm going to talk about today, he's probably got the second best raw power of anybody. Uh, he's also fast. He's an above average runner. It's kind of a bit of a build-up speed sort of a deal. Uh, but uh, you could put him in center field for a little bit right now. He gets decent reads. I would say he's a good center fielder, but you could put him in center field. And he's got a big arm too. So, yeah, he's interesting. And he's someone that I think could put up really big numbers this year as well. Yeah, he sounds like a classic Yankees outfield prospect. Um, yep. Speaking of classic prospects, uh, Roberto Arias seems like a classic Guardians prospect to me. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. He's interesting. He was the hardest player to try to put a comp on of anybody. I think I ended up with like, uh, do you know if you guys know Hendry Mendez, who uh, had just ridiculous swing and miss numbers a couple years yep. ago for the Brewers. Um, it's kind of a similar frame and profile, except for he hits 
for a bit more power and he's a twitchier athlete. He has a weird mechanical swing. He crouches super low and kind of pops out of it and has a lot of moving parts, time mechanisms where it's like you look at it and you're like, nah, that, that can't be right. But also he's probably makes the most contact of anybody and he swings hard and it's good contact. It's not just, you know, popping the ball on the ground. Uh, I, it's really tough to put it like a tool on his hit tool because like, you're like the mechanics can't work, but also he has some of the best like hand eye coordination you'll ever see. <laughs> so maybe it can, uh, he's got probably average pop. He's got a decent frame, about six foot one seventy, hitting from the left side about average age for the class. Uh, one of the things that I like though, and I, I really do encourage you to watch how it's on him just because it's so, so strange. The swing mechanics, uh, frames really good, really athletic frame. I think he'll put on good weight. Uh, thing that makes me more bullish on him is that in addition to his you know contact in games and him being in the garden system that develops that very well uh he's a really good fielder i think that he has a chance to be an above average to plus standard fielder which really helps someone with a weird swing profile get the at-bats they will need for that to work out so uh, i like him i like him i'm not gonna like rush to add him but he's someone that i'd look at if you're later in a first year player draft especially in a deeper league I think he'll hit for a really good average in the DSL. And I think he's in the right organization to develop him. Yeah. I mean, he just, the whole scouting report just read guardians prospect yeah. to me. Um, now, Adriel Rodney is a, another big outfielder that the diamondbacks are expected to sign. Uh, he's kind of ranked in about the same area by um, BA and pipeline. What do you think about Rodney? Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually with an A if I remember correctly. Yeah, Radney, but uh, he's a, he's a oh, big yeah, kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, all, that threw me off too. That's why I remember it. Uh, so he's from uh, JD Zuna's Academy, which is one of the bigger academies in the Dominican Republic. Uh, really big kid, like six three, one seventy five already. He's I believe I don't know if he's the youngest in the class, but I know he's the youngest of anyone that's getting a uh, seven seven figure bonus. Um, he's really long limb frame. I mean, he's long, he's skinny, he's physical, but he's going to be a big, big kid, but there's going to be some length no matter what he does. I think he's got pretty good swinging mechanics, especially considering his size. Uh, there's natural loft to the swing. He's going to put the ball in the air. I, I think that he's not quite physical enough for a plus power projection right now, but you'd expect him to get there once he fills out, uh, especially with how young he is. Uh, he's not a great fielder. Uh, I would not say that. I don't think that there's a real chance of him sticking in center field. It's kind of like a baby gazelle out there. Uh, but uh, he has a really strong arm. So I think that he could work in right field if he can develop uh, probably about an average runner. Uh, it's tough for me to say he's going to have an average hit tool with how long he is just naturally. But I think there might be enough power to offset that. Not the type of guy that I run out to get. But I think if it comes together for him and he fills out the right way, and I, I think he could be like kind of like a young kill Fernandez type of profile down the line okay sure yeah um that's helpful um braylon brazaban uh outfielder the pirates are expected to sign uh what do you think about him i like him i like him a lot this is going to be one of the my guys in this class i can tell nice. i think he's going to be a guy i own a lot of just you know deep league late round shares of um he has a He's 6'1", 180. It's a big frame, 6'1", 180. He's going to be a pretty big kid. I think he could probably hold 210 plus pounds when he's 25 or so. Um, 
another guy from Isabel Medina's Academy, uh, lefty, little older for the class, but not not enough to concern you at all. Uh, he had something that I really like to see, which is elite hip shoulder separation, which makes it just look like the power is just super, super easy. And the ball does come off his bat really well. Um, there's a bit of link to his swing. I think probably because he's getting so much hip shoulder saturation, he is a big kid, but he's kind of one of those guys who usually is taking easy swings. And then if he gets head in account, sometimes he'll take a daddy hack and be like, Oh, there's very real bad speed here. And, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, he's a guy who's shown really well. Uh, he's done a lot of perfect game events when he was younger, before he uh, signed his bonus, he did very well on those also was a really good defender. Uh, he's probably an above average runner right now. I would expect him to take down to average just because I think he's going to be a really big kid. That being said, I think he has a chance to stick in center field anyway. Really good instincts, above average arm. I think he's probably an average hitter, but I think he has a chance to grow into plus power, uh, especially if he wants to do it. And uh, I, I think that kind of reminds me a bit of Jock Peterson is kind of who I see him as, where it's going to be okay. a little bit slower center fielder. He's probably going to steal more bases than you'd expect him to because he gets good instinct and uh, – yeah, yeah, I like him quite a bit, and I think he's someone that you can probably get pretty late first year player draft, usually your last pick. So Braylon Brazaban uh, with the Pirates, one of Alex's favorites. Uh, Victor Hurtado, uh, outfielder with the Nationals, uh, lefty hitting outfielder. Uh, BA has him getting a pretty high bonus. Um, I don't trust the Nationals to develop a guy like this, but uh, what do you think about Hurtado? He's interesting. So he's another guy who was really young for the class. Um, really athletic, really good, like natural, like mover, really, like kind of a fluid athlete, uh, more so than fast. He's not, he's probably a tick below average as a runner. Uh, really big frame, 6'3", 180 is what he's listed as. He might even be a bit bigger than that. Uh, not super physical yet, uh, but kind of a really good, like instincts sort of a, a guy. Um, not the best defensive player ever, probably going to be a right fielder arm isn't crazy uh but really high baseball iq actually i think he's someone that i'd expect to a lot of scouts are going to like more than maybe his numbers early on uh kind of different than what the nationals have done quite a bit recently i uh, got a nice lefty swing really good swinging mechanics even though he's gonna have natural length uh, I, I think that if it starts to come together for him you could see a guy like i, I was reminded a lot of uh, jesus sanchez who for people who have been around in fantasy for a long time, was a, he was a big prospect for the Rays for a while. Uh, I, I think that that's who I saw a lot of. He's not someone I think I'll own a lot of shares of, but I, I think that he has upside to be you know a top 100 prospect in a couple of years if he comes together. How, how about the next Nationals guy, Angel Feliz, uh, shortstop? So I, I think I like him actually a bit more. I have to mention that he is from uh, Banana Academy because that's uh, just the best name. I think he can. Without a doubt. He is interesting, and he it makes so much sense. He's a Nationals guy now because they took Johanny Morales, who he, like, if you took admittedly 18-year-old, not 17-year-old Johanny Morales, like, this is the same person. Um, really physical frame. He's like 6'3", 190, physically advanced, and he's going to put on more good weight. He's probably going to be like... 6'3", 6'4", 225, 230 at the end of the day. So he's zero percent chance he's going to be a shortstop. He's going to be a third baseman, maybe first base, maybe a corner outfield. Uh, big time bat speed. Big time bat speed. There's some link to the swing, uh, but he times it out really well and has like a really clean approach. So we'll kind of see. You'd expect there to be some swing and miss, but maybe not as many strikeouts as you'd expect for someone that's going to be swing and miss. Um, 
crushes baseballs. Uh, probably like third best power in, in the class people talk about right now. And uh, I think they could probably hit better than the other people we're talking about with that kind of power. I think that if it comes together for him, he could be, you know, a 30 home run type guy. And uh, for someone who's a bit of a, you know, power first prospect, it's interesting. Like he has a really high baseball IQ. So yeah, I I like him a good amount. I think uh, that uh, he's one of those guys who could hit, you know, 10 home runs in DSL this year and kind of everyone's talking about. And then uh, as he starts to get into high A, double A can move into top 100 lists. For me, I probably like him a bit more than most. Angel Feliz uh, with the Nationals is the guy that Alex is uh, pumping up there. Um, was I being unfair at all with kind of not being high on the Nationals with developing these guys? I think last year they took some strides and changed some things. But uh, I, I think that for me, no, because there's a track record of not working out there. But also it's kind of gone in with like they're just betting on a bunch of athletes that have horrible hit tools. And neither <laughs> yeah. of these guys are that. Like these are guys that have good hit tools as well. Uh, another org that I – now they did have some guys that hit in the DSL last year, but not an org I've really been high on for any reason the past few years. The White Sox, their top guy, Eduardo Herrera, uh, third baseman. Uh, what do you think about Herrera? I like him. I like him. He's not a shortstop. Uh, definitely going to be a third base type profile, uh, below average runner. Um, big frame, six two one ninety already. I uh, just turned 17. Uh, he's definitely like going to be a mature body. He's going to look older than the other kids he's playing against in the DSL. And like you mentioned, the White Sox actually showed up in the DSL for the first time in a while. They had a lot of guys that ticked way up over the course of the season. So maybe something going on over there. Uh, that's a little interesting. I don't know how that will go with the new uh, staff changes. Uh, big time raw juice, probably going to have plus power, not quite a level of the Angel Felice, but uh, there's real power there. Probably an average hit tool. Um, I wouldn't call him a great defender at third base even. I think he's a little bit below average. But he's got a really strong arm that will help out. Uh, he makes adjustments really well. He's hitting games. Uh, definitely another guy that's you know better the second time he faces someone. And he's played everywhere. He played shortstop first, then he was a catcher, now he's at third base. We'll see where he ends up um, down the line. But he should hit for power, and he should hit for decent average. Uh, if I was comping him to a pro player, kind of a – Anthony Santander type uh, profile. That was Eduardo Herrera, uh, third baseman with the White Sox. Uh, what about Halvin Arias, uh, outfielder with the Phillies, uh, listed at 6'4 already? Yeah, so he's someone where you have to go watch some highlights of him because you will never see a frame like this in your life. He has the upper body of someone who is 5'6" and the uh, legs and arms of someone who's like seven foot one. It, it does not look like a real human being. I, 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 he's like genuinely, I'm not, I don't even think I'm overstating this. He is like 75% legs. It's, <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, oh, sorry, something's going on in my background here. Uh, uh, part of the noise. No sweat. But uh, yeah, he's probably about 6'3 to 6'4, about 200 pounds right now, and he's got a young body. He's going to be bigger than that. Uh, He probably has the most power of anyone that we're going to talk about today. Uh, He's definitely a fat ball punisher. Uh, Probably going to be 70 grade raw power. We'll see how much he hits sort of a deal. Um, He's also like, he runs really well. I don't know how with his legs, but he's, you know, 
an average or better runner right now. He probably will start in center field for a little bit. I doubt he stays there. Uh, kind of a gap approach. Um, and uh, so he's not just looking to hit home runs every time. He physical, his frame wise, I think he's going to wind up similar frame and power, not as good of a hitter, not as good of a thrower as uh, like a Jordan Walker type frame and power. And then we'll see how much the supplementary tools come around. But uh, the Philly sneakily uh, done pretty well with J15 the last year or so. So he's someone who, uh, if you want to take a bet on a power bat, I, that's a that's a move you can make. So Halvey and Arias, and uh, definitely want to look at some video. On you him. have to. You uh, have to. <laughs> uh, the first <laughs> Met, I think we've discussed, uh, or future Met, Edward Lantigua. What do you think about him? He's someone that I'm a lot higher on that it seems than, than most others. I think he was a bit of a late developer, even though he's 17 already. Christian uh, Batista Academy, which is uh, part of the JDB. So you can find a lot of video on him really easily. Um, and uh, he's the type of person that the Mets have had a lot of success with uh, recently. Uh, 6'2", 170, lean frame, really athletic, um, probably going to be able to put on some good weight and grow into a bit more physicality, uh, really good makeup. Um, he's kind of been a guy who he was just so real thin that he wasn't impacting the ball very much. And now that he's started to add on some weight, all of a sudden that physicality is coming on. Uh, probably more of an above average runner than a plus runner, but he has a real chance to take instead of field. In fact, I'd expect him to. Uh, plus arm already. Uh, tend to be a five-tool sort of guy. He hits really well in games, line drive approach. Um, probably average power. Um, I don't know if I'd expect him to be more than average power, but above average hit tool. And just one of those guys where the sum of his parts could lead to a really good number two hitter type profile. Interesting. Yeah. So you are, yeah, you're, I like him. Um, so uh, let's see the first Ray, I think uh, Leonardo Pineda, uh, another outfielder. Um, what do you think about him? Yes. Yeah, so he's someone that uh, a lot of people like quite a bit. And then when you put him in the Rays system i think that makes me more bullish on him because you can make a lot of comparisons to him to like a young randy rosarena they have very similar frames and like tools i'm not saying he will become randy rosarena but like you can see what the development plan would be he's got a really easy swing with really big bat speed he's not the biggest guy ever he's about 511 170 he doesn't look like he's going to keep growing too much so i'd expect him to wind up like 511 185 ish not a huge guy uh Gets a bunch of really good regards for his makeup. Gets really good jumps in center field. Not a plus runner, really, but he, with how good jumps he gets, you'd expect him to steal more base than you'd expect and maybe have a shot to stick in center field or be a plus right fielder. Uh, kind of a stockier frame, um, but he's really young for the class as well. He's still got a wild turn 17. So he's one of those guys who, when you put him on the Rays, it's one of those guys that the Rays seem to just always turn into more than what you'd expect. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, how about uh, Belfi Rivera? Uh, one of the better first names, Belfi with a B, a shortstop that's expected to sign with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, so he's he's another guy that I like. I've made this comp before, but maybe a Ketel Marte sort of a sort of a guy. Uh, he's one of those guys when you watch him, like the bat speed stands out, and the ball just kind of jumps off his bat. He's about six one one sixty, really athletic and quick twitch. So you think he's going to put on another twenty to twenty five pounds? Not going to be a small guy. Chance ticket shorts up. I'd expect second base. He's got kind of a weak arm. Um, good instincts, though. 
But uh, he's just a guy who just rockets the ball, and I'm really bullish on Arizona's lower minors development uh, with hitters. So for me, like when we were comparing him to, uh, I want to blank on his name right now, but uh, the other player from there we talked about, uh, Radney. Um, I, I prefer Belfi Rivera personally, um, and I think that he has a chance to uh, be a guy where if you're like keeping tabs on him in the DSL. Maybe someone you don't have to roster and you can kind of steal by picking up once he starts hitting uh, in the DSL. But I like him quite a bit, and I think he has a chance to be a uh, quick riser. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best values, I think, of this whole pod is for people to potentially reference um, over the summer um, as these guys are, are breaking out. Um, the I think he's the first Oriole we've talked about, but uh, Emilio Sanchez, uh, shortstop uh, with the Orioles. What do you think about him? He's another guy where kind of like uh, going through this process. Uh, I didn't know too much about him. Um, he's from an academy I'm not as familiar with. Um, Those baddies, but uh, just got really good reviews. And he's another one of the youngest players in the class. He's about the same age as uh, Dewell Joseph. Really young. Um, probably gonna be a second baseman. Um, chance to get shortstop, but a uh, really good frame, 6'1", 165, fairly physical. Uh, he's got a bit of a hand hitch in his swing, which scares me a little bit, but Baltimore's done really well with that uh, recently. Uh, he is a contact machine in games and like a hard line drive machine in games. Uh, just really hit well, really fluid athlete. He's uh, probably an average runner, um, but he moves really well. I think especially at second base, he has a chance to be an above average to better defender there. Um, I think that he moves really well on the bases. I think there's potential to be, you know, above average power with, like, I'd put a 60 on a sit tool if it wasn't for the hand hitch. Right now, I don't know if I should put it above average or average. But it's, it's not something that's concerning with how good of contact he makes consistently. And just really advanced. I think he's a side player who could move really fast. Um, Someone that I really was a big fan of uh, last year and in the DSL is uh, Yancel Luis um, from the Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you're very, very quickly reminded of uh, Yancel Luis when you watch Leo Sanchez. So he's someone that I think is going to be a helium prospect as people get more looks at him. Interesting. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll be done in a few minutes here. I'm interested to kind of get your – you're kind of updated top five or so um, from this class. But yeah, Sanchez definitely seems like he might be an underrated name. Um, Nabel Mariano, shortstop uh, up with the Reds. Obviously, Reds have had some success uh, in this market. What do you think about Mariano? So he's someone that I don't know that I'm super high on. I, I get why you would be high on him, but I think he's someone that is uh, going to catch some buzz, uh, especially with the uh, Reds' Twitter machine, what it is right now. Uh, he's going to be one of the higher bonuses. I think he's expected to be somewhere in the 10 to 15 range, maybe towards the 10 side of that um, in terms of signing bonuses. One of the older players, he's 17 and a half already um, from Charlie Nova's Academy. Uh, kind of an Ellie-ish type frame, uh, which you see when you get that on the Reds. It's going to make people excited. 6'3", 170, pretty lean. Might be a little taller than 6'3", already. Playing shortstop. Um, Kind of a long, aggressive sort of hitter. He likes to swing the bat quite a bit. Again, you can see a little Ellie in that. Uh, and uh, there's going to be some length. Ball jumps off the bat pretty well. He's got some real pop, especially for a shortstop. Uh, still growing into his frame, so everything could tick up. Uh, he's a fit for the Reds' development. You know, They like the aggressive hitters that are looking to do damage. Um, 
kind of seen them have success similar frames. And just with the comparisons that you can't Charlie Martinez or from Ellie Taylor Cruz, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I think he's going to be a lot of uh, looks on Twitter and stuff like that and people hyping up. So he's a name to know. He's not someone that I'd rush to get, but if he performs well early on, I think he's someone that you should go grab just because I think that the hype machine is going to be loud for him. Awesome. Um, now, a little bonus for the people that stayed till the end of the show. We do have two mystery men I just want to touch on quickly. Uh, Penny Blanco is interesting because um, Pipeline has him, I think, ninth on their board. And then BA doesn't even list him on their bonus board. Uh, one of the youngest players in the class. Uh, what's What's your uh, read on the Kenyu Blanco situation? Because it, do, it does seem like there's some uh, potential that he doesn't even sign this period. So he is right on the borderline age-wise, where I think he is birthday is June 21st, which make him talk, <clears throat> the second youngest player in this class. Um, but uh, he is old enough to sign. What I'd been told in September was that he was expected to sign with the Blue Jays. Uh, so that's kind of what I expect at this point. That being said, I would definitely expect him to be one of the guys that's in the uh, top 50 bonus pool. So, you know, you never know. Maybe they got a real steal on that uh, and he's still signing and he's just not in the top 50. Uh, but it's also possible that someone's buying him out of his deal and they're pushing him back to the 2025 class. Who knows exactly what, all what I've been told is in September, at least, was that he's expected to sign with the Blue Jays. And if he does, he's someone that you're going to need to know because he's a very good player, uh, probably a plus hit tool, average power, really good defensive shortstop. Like, no doubt going to stick there. Uh, lean 6'2", 165 frame, going to put on some good weight. Like we mentioned, super young, plus runner, really good athlete. And um, the arm, we'll see a little bit, but uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, young Royce Lewis. So that's the kind of player that you'd be dealing with if he does, in fact, sign. So he would definitely be in my top 10 in the class, maybe threatening for top five. Wow. All right. You got my attention with the Royce Lewis comp. Um, but I do think it's important. Like if if you're in one of these dynasty leagues where you're drafting before January 15th, um, I don't think you can feel good about taking Blanco yet. But if he does sign on January 15th, then go nuts. Um and then there's one guy, uh, you know, I know you're not like plugged in in the Japanese market or anything, but uh, I know there's rumors kind of on the the fantasy baseball dark web that Rintaro Sasaki, uh, who was supposed to come over from Japan, um, eventually uh, enrolling at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I've seen rumors that he might sign as part of this class. I know you don't have any inside information on that, but just... Wanted to mention Sasaki. He's a, I talked about him with Tim McLeod a, a couple months ago. He's the Japanese Prince Fielder is, is the popular cop with him. And that definitely kind of checks out on video. Uh, I think he hit like 120 home runs in high school. Um, and he mostly facing kind of, you know, mid eighties, low eighties stuff, obviously, but um, just a guy to keep in mind. Like if, if on January 15th, there's news that Sasaki's signing with some team uh, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, but also there's no real precedent for um, players from that market signing in this, this class. Uh, I just did want to note 
that Sasaki seen rumors that he might sign, but I nothing to corroborate that. Um, okay, so really quick before I let you go, Alex, it does seem like uh, we've got Leo DeVries with the Padres up top, kind of by himself, and then um, just from our discussion, it sounded like in no particular order, like Polino Santana, Jose Perdomo, and Dewell Joseph are probably in your top five. Yeah, I, I think I would go DeVries in a class of his own, then uh, probably Santana. It really depends, like, if this is, like, uh, how much you're valuing upside here, I might go Dewell Joseph, then Jose Perdomo. And then I would probably go Adolfo Sanchez next. Would be probably, yeah, I think that's how I would do it. All right, there you have it. Uh, DeVries with the Padres, Santana with the Rangers, uh, Perdomo, Atlanta, uh, DeWell Joseph with the Mariners, and Adolfo Sanchez with the Reds um, would be Alex Jensen's top five from the J15 class. Uh, anything you want to let the people know about before I let you go, man? Not too much. I'll just kind of add in with DeVries, like, if you feel like taking a big risk on someone like this is the type of person where like not just like the ceiling of what they could do but if they do what they're supposed to do they're going to be a top 10 prospect in like two to three years so i i can't since wander franco i can't really remember the last prospect that i felt like that including the people in last year's class um with easton salas stuff like that uh where I, i thought that was the case at this point so Probably the best J15 investment that you could make on paper, at least. You never know how it's going to go. Do you think there's a chance that he goes the Ethan Salas route and just debuts at single A in like June? You just never know with the uh, with the Padres because, I mean, I think they advanced Ethan Salas more than they should have to the point where it's a bit of a detriment. And maybe they were trying yeah. to mess with some trade. <laughs> oh. Not sure what's happened there. <laughs> Sorry, I got all sorts of weird noises. But yeah, I think that's uh, very possible. All right. Well, uh, that was Alex Jensen. I uh, hope everything's okay over there, buddy. But um, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time. This was invaluable information for people that have a first year player draft coming up. Um, so thank you so much. And uh, this has been the Rotowire uh, Prospect Podcast. And I have my FIPD Top 100 up on the site. Uh, first year player draft blueprint coming out uh, today or tomorrow and then the big top 400 prospect rankings update coming early next week everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.